Yes, between an extra hour of sleep and a Jags game in London, uh, eight o'clock never looked so good, uh, did it? <laughs> well, we all know you. We're here to worship the Lord early. Uh huh. That's good. I'm glad. I am super glad you're here because I do genuinely believe if if we will receive what the Word of God has to say us say to us this morning, uh, that it will increase the purpose, the significance, and enjoy, and the joy in which we will receive as we live out this life that God has given us. So if you would take your Bible, please, and grab it in your hand. Actually turn to 1 Corinthians 12, and I'll explain why we're there in a moment, but 1 Corinthians 12, and then with that Bible on hand, as we have been doing through this entire Excel Still More series, we want to, even as we're excited about all this Day, we want to say, I'm here to, to receive the word of God, right? And it's powerful. It's going to speak to us. So uh, let's declare this together. This is God's word, his heart revealed. I humbly declare his ways are higher than my ways and his thoughts are higher than my thoughts. I will not lean on my own understanding, but incline my heart now to receive his word so that I may excel still more in filling the earth with his glory by walking in his truth and loving all people as he has loved me. So we have been, for now this fourth week, looking at what it means to excel still more by not quenching the spirit. That's what 1 Thess 5, 19 says. We've been looking at these five words. Do not quench the spirit. So, Quick summary, if you're visiting with us or if you're new, quenching the spirit is refusing to yield, to surrender, to submit. It's refusing to yield to the God who saved me and lives in me in order to live through me. See, the understanding of the gospel is Christ has paid the penalty for my sin and that God has put his spirit in me. God lives within me as a redeemed human so that his life would be lived through me. But when he lives in me, but I live the life I want to live, that's what the Bible calls quenching the spirit. And we do not fulfill what God has intended us to be and to do when we quench that spirit. Over the weeks, we've said, here's how we quench the spirit. I quench the spirit when I use words that destroy people rather than build them up. Whether that's a lie, whether that's gossip, whether that's slander or malice. When the tongue that God has given me to use to build up, but I use it to destroy, that's not the work of God. I quench the spirit when I do that. I quench the spirit when we gather for worship, but then I'm silent in worship. And when I go out to be an instrument of God for more people finding more life, to when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you shall, be, you shall receive power and you'll be my witnesses. So when I'm silent in worship and silent in witness, I quench the Spirit. And then when I use this body that God has redeemed for his purposes, and I use it to satisfy my desires, then I'm quenching the spirit. And the reality is we want to grow. And growing spiritually means very practically we do this less. But all of us this week have used our tongues not for what God redeemed it for, but for our purposes. We've been silent. We should have spoken up. Or maybe we spoke up when we should have been silent. And then we stole this body that God has redeemed and we used it to satisfy our own desires. And so uh, part of our worship always includes confession. Just to acknowledge, Lord, this is who you made me to be, that this is not how I've lived. And I want to confess that to you, believing that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from our sins. And part of receiving the word of God, being prepared to receive it is the saying, Lord, I have not been who you've called me 
to be. So I want to lead us in the time of confession as we continue on our worship by remembering the Lord and his death for us for our forgiveness in taking the Lord's Supper together, okay? If that's unfamiliar to you, the Lord's Supper is simply, it's a remembering of the death of Jesus by taking a broken piece of unleavened bread and a cup juice reminding us of the blood of Christ so that we would, as we take those, we would remember what he has done for us. And the scripture says this, but a man must examine himself and in so doing he is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. So we never wanna take the Lord's Supper without taking some time to say, Lord, is there any way I've been quenching the spirit? Examine myself. Not to beat myself up, but to invite the cleansing work of God through the power of the cross into our lives. And so uh, the men are going to pass now the elements. And as they take the element, as they pass the elements to you, uh, I'm going to lead us through, using the scriptures, some confession. We can confess with our eyes open. So the, the things are be passing. Uh, try not to be distracted, but take the moment when it's your turn to, to take from the trays. But let's begin with the tongue. Colossians says, put them all aside. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, abusive speech. Don't lie to one another. You set aside those old things. But maybe you, you didn't set them aside. And so in this moment, examine and confess any way in which your tongue tore down, destroyed. A lie, anger, Confess it just honestly to the Lord. Not only what you said, what you didn't say. But acknowledge that's not who he's made you to be. to our relationships. Be kind to one another. Tenderhearted. Forgiving each other. Just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. You understand when we do the Lord's Supper we're remembering the forgiveness we've received. So would you there in your seat let go of any bitterness that you're holding on towards someone else. frustration, any anger. If you're withholding forgiveness, would you in this moment lay that down? If you've been rough, not tenderhearted, if you've been cruel, Being kind is more than not being unkind. If you didn't step into an opportunity of kindness, would you confess that to the Lord? Because he has been kind. He is kind to be kind through you. now to our bodies. He says, don't go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness. Have you used your body this week to satisfy your desires? Whatever comes to your mind there, confess that to the Lord, publicly, privately. And he 
says, but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of of righteousness to God. It's there in the quietness of your seat. If you shrunk back in any way from being God's instrument to love, to care, to help, to serve, to speak, bring it to him, confess it, admit it to him. Now I want to invite you to read this together with me. The Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him. Though he may stumble, he will not fall, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. That good news? Read it again. Just think. Think of how maybe you've stumbled, but then remember this. The Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him. Though he may stumble, he will not fall, for the Lord upholds him with his right hand. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your righteousness, for your forgiveness for your death, to pay the penalty for our sin. Thank you that even in our stumbling, you are gracious to us. You welcome us as your children to come clean and be made clean. With gratitude for a cleansed heart, for a heart made new, for the joy of your salvation that you take with me. And now, Lord, even more than when we declared it a moment ago, I believe our hearts are ready to receive your word, ready to hear from you. Dependent children, grateful to you, our Father. Grateful that you've spoken to us. We want to be overcome by the reality of your presence in us, that your work might be done through us. Lord, we want you by your spirit, through your word, to speak to our hearts that we might live in the fullness of the life, abundant life and eternal life you've made for us in Christ Jesus, we pray. Amen. Now, with your Bibles open to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I want to speak to a final issue of what it means for the Spirit of God and the power of the Spirit to be unleashed in our lives. 1 Corinthians 12 says this. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I don't want you to be unaware. He wants you to be informed, to understand. And here's what he wants you to know. You know that when you were pagans, and others before you came to faith in Christ, you were led astray to the mute idols, however you were led. In other words, they were not living, they were not real, they could not speak to you. You did what you wanted. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is accursed. Why not? Because the Spirit of God would never say that. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit because we can only speak truth when the Spirit of God, who is truth, dwells in us. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of ministries and the same Lord. And there are varieties of effects. But the same God who works all things in all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And then if you drop down to verse 11, because verses 8, 9, and 10, he gives different expressions, manifestations of the Spirit by listing a number of different gifts. But he finishes that paragraph with this. 
But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually, just as he wills. So he doesn't want us to be unaware or uninformed, uninformed regarding this, that every believer, every believer, every person who has been born again, who now can say by the spirit, Jesus is Lord, every believer is uniquely gifted by the Holy Spirit. It is the spirit of God who sovereignly chooses the gift or gifts that you've been given. Not everybody gets the same. In fact, the picture is the body. In 1 Corinthians 12, he uses the analogy of the physical body. And he's going, it's one body, but there's all sorts of different parts. And in the same way, there's all sorts of different people represented here. Those of you who have trusted in Jesus, who have said, Jesus is Lord. The Spirit of God has uniquely gifted you to be a part of this body for a very specific purpose. Go to 1 Peter chapter 4, and I wanted us to see just the unfolding in 1 Corinthians 12, but 1 Peter 4 now will give us very specifically in just two verses the picture of why every believer is uniquely gifted by the Holy Spirit. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. As each one has received a special gift, employ it. What's that mean? Yeah, give it a job. Not necessarily an income, but give it a job. Employ it, use it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Let me unpack that for us. First and foremost, the, the foundational truth about the body, the church, and the Holy Spirit as he has given gifts is this, that every believer is uniquely gifted by the Holy Spirit to participate, to share in, to, to employ, to, to serve. In what? Building the body of Christ, both in breadth, more people, and in depth, maturity. Every believer, uniquely gifted by the Holy Spirit to participate in building the body of Christ in breadth and depth. Therefore, how's this relate to 1 Thess 5.19, where we've been for four weeks now? How's that relate? Yeah. You are quenching the Holy Spirit if you are not using your gift or gifts to serve others. In the same way that when I take the body that God has redeemed and I use it to satisfy my desires, that quenches the Spirit. When I take the tongue and I use it to destroy instead of build up, that quenches the Spirit. When I have a gift, and Jesus gives lots of stories about this in the Gospels, and I dig a hole in the ground, and I bury it, don't use it, I quench the Spirit. Why? Because the Spirit of God lives in you to do the work of God through you. And so when he lives in you to live through you, and then you don't take the unique God-given gifts that he has chosen to uniquely make you in this body, that quenches the spirit. So let me apply this to CFC. The percentage of CFC members serving at least monthly, not weekly, not daily, at least once a month, 29%, 46%, 55%, 67%, or 83%. Let me see your hands. Number one. Number two. Number three. Wow, way to stick to your guns, even there's only two of you. <laughs> Number four. Number five. The, you think, the vast majority of you think 29%. Yes. Wrong. 
actually 46%. Okay, so yes, yes, you know, that actually is, that actually is better than the typical church. That's where 29% came from. But folks, far less than what the scripture intends. Imagine this church with 46% serving. What would be true if what God intended, 100%? If that's hard for you to imagine, then just imagine half of your body not working this morning. Seriously, if, if half of your body, members of your personal physical body, shut down right now, that would be a picture of Christian Family Chapel. That's not a great picture, is it? So hey, I've said multiple times through this week, excuse me, through this series, that I believe God wants to do more. And that's just not a feeling. It's just, it's just facts. In other words, you lay alongside what the scripture intends with what is, and you go, we're at about less than 50%. And I don't really like to say this. This, this is less than it used to be. When we did this two years ago, we were closer to 60%. So we're headed in the wrong direction, Christian Family Chapel. We're quenching the spirit in this particular area more than we used to. That's not growing in maturity. We are seeking what to grow fully devoted, spirit-empowered Christ followers. Every person who is trusted in Christ has been Receive the spirit of God in them. And when he came in you, he brought unique gifting for the building up of this body. And it's being quenched in breadth and in depth of what God would want to do. Now, you know where you, you fit in this. But I ask myself, okay, Why? Why in a place where it's not unaware, where we have taught repeatedly the truth that I've just reminded you of, of that we are gifted by the Holy Spirit for his work. The question of why, why do so many Christians not serve? Maybe this will make sense to you. I don't know. I just started going, all right, why wouldn't we serve? Well, first, maybe, maybe I didn't know it was a command. All right, so if that's the case, what, pa- what tense did I put that in? Past, because that one's done, okay? We've checked that one off the box, all right? Every single one of us now know it's a command. So if, that, if you were going, man, I didn't know, then praise the Lord, you're here, and you know, and you can act on what you now know the Scripture says. But some of you are going, no, I, I know, but I'm not, so what's up with that? Well, you may go, well, I don't know my spiritual gifts. Two thoughts about that. First, we are servants first. It's who we are because Jesus was a servant. So serving according to your gifts is optimal. But it's not acceptable to go, Well, if I don't know my gift, I don't serve. You see what I'm saying? So we start serving. And as we learn our gifts, then we can serve even more effectively because we are serving the way that God has made us to serve. But oftentimes we we start serving. And in the process of learning, of serving, we learn our spiritual gifts. That said, we, we want you to know how God has gifted you. So, November 13th, gifted for God's glory. Uh, it's a Wednesday night. 
Simply, if you will come, register for that class, we'll give you some, some brief work that you can do in advance to help you understand how God has gifted you, and then we'll come together and look at how that would apply at CFC. So if you're going, man, I want to know my gift, there's opportunity for you here. November 13th, you might go, that's a Wednesday night, I don't know. I agree. Sometimes we do the things we need to do in order to do the things we need to do, right? Second thing about spiritual gifts. Sometimes we get bound up. I don't know if it's a spiritual gift or it's just a talent. Where did you get your talents? Yeah. You were not formed just from an animal. God shaped you in your mother's womb. So your talents are as God-given as your spiritual gift. So when a guy says to me, oh, man, serving in the chapel matched what I do professionally because of the talents I have, I go, that's good. That's exactly right. But sometimes there's this idea, well, that's just my talent. No. Your talents are God-given. And when you come to Christ, I hope what you'll hear is this. Oh, I have a whole new understanding of my God-given talents. They, they are now intended to be used not for my purposes and for my glory, but for God's purposes and God's glory. So I don't need to sift through going, is that my talent or a spiritual gift? It's how God made me for his glory, all right? So don't get lost in that. What has God made you good at? What has God made you effective in? What do you love? It's part of how God made you. Because you notice we don't all love the same things. It's just weird to me how different we are, of how we can love such different things. And it's a reflection of the breadth of the body of Christ. Some of us really are noses and others of us toes. That's pretty different. But one body, one spirit, one purpose, God-given for his glory. So, got to register, all right? You'll get an email tomorrow from Ryan about registering for that. Third, you may go, well, I don't know where help is needed. Good news. <laughs> Have you looked at your bulletin? There is in your bulletin very specific expressions, that insert, where immediate help is now needed. You see it? So now you know. And there's lots of opportunity. Our children's minister, Becky Conover, back here, she would love if you would go, hey, I get, I get it done. I have been gifted. I'm not sure what it is, but I see a need. I'll help. I'll serve. For folks who set up and greet and part, all those needs in there. Right now. We could go from 46%, increase our percentage significantly if you just went, oh, I'll meet one of these needs right now. And in the process, you know what? The best teacher for your spiritual gift is just experience, trying stuff, learning. You go, I'm, I try it and, and I serve and you go, man, I love that. Or people go, wow, the Lord really seems to use you in that way. Or you go, yeah, that wasn't me. <laughs> and then once you find that out, just never serve again. No, that's what we do. We go, so that wasn't me. But there's plenty of, plenty of opportunity. And folks, well, I'll save it. The scripture's coming. It'll speak to it. You may see some of those and go, but I'm afraid or feel inadequate. You ever feel that way? Excellent. Seriously. 
It, it's, oh, it's excellent when you go, I feel inadequate. Why? Because God says, man, it's the foolish and the weak and the nobodies that I chose. Why? Because he would receive the glory. The, the whole economy of who God uses is turned upside down from the way our culture works. See, he's strong. You don't need to be strong. He's smart. You don't need to be smart. So when... When you say, I'm afraid, I'm inadequate, excellent. The Christian life is the life that he lived then, lived now, by him, through you. He is everything you need. One of our volunteers this week wrote, every Sunday I remind myself, when I'm weak, he is strong. See, that's a Bible verse. It's just a Bible verse until you step in and do something that you go, I'm weak. You, that is not something you learn in a discussion. It's something you learn by experience, and that experience is serving. Sometimes we think, Those who serve do so because they don't have the fear or they don't feel inadequate when in fact the vast majority of people serve do so in spite of fear, in spite of feeling inadequate. It's real. One of our worship leaders wrote this week, I was afraid because if I failed, it would be public. <laughs> yeah? So it's trusting the Lord. One of our tech people said, I waited six months out of fear. How long have you been waiting out of fear? You see opportunities. Some of you are going, yeah, I've seen these, these opportunities before, Doug, but I'm still afraid. Don't wait until your fear is gone. Step in and experience the sufficiency of the Christian life, the life he lived then. Live now by him through you. Fifth reason. I have too much else going on in my life. This is increasingly the reality in our world, right? Where are you going to fit church in the midst of everything else in your life? We're going to fit serving in the midst of all the other stuff that fills your life. And so to this, Jesus spoke a story. A parable is what the scripture calls it. An earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And the earthly story he tells about this. I have too much else going on in my life. Is He says, there's this farmer and he has a bunch of seed. And he goes out and he throws the seed and it falls on all sorts of different types of soil. And then Jesus explains, he says, the seed is the word of God. And when it's thrown out, it falls on different types of soil. And one of the soils in the earthly picture is soil of thorns. And he explains what he means by when we throw the word of God out at Christian Family Chapel and the, some of your hearts are hearts soil of thorns. Here's what he says he means. These are the ones who have heard the word. You were here, you heard. But the worries of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and... Choke out. And what do you become? 
unfruitful. You become unfruitful. Now, don't miss this. Notice that that the things he picks that choke out are not inherently sinful. That's other type of soil. What he picks out is the stuff that fills our lives with, the other stuff that we want to do, the other pursuits that we want to, that we want to have riches. The, the stuff that, man, we have this and we have this and we have this and we have this and now we got to worry about all this. He's going, that's the sort of stuff that will put the choke hold and make your life unfruitful. You understand what Jesus is saying? As I'm throwing out the word, some of you are going, well, I can't. And, and you're justifying going, hey, I'm not living a sinful life. You know what? We can fill our lives with things that are not necessarily sinful, but will lead us to sin, quenching the spirit, not using the gifts. See what I'm saying? You can fill your life with stuff that isn't inherently sinful, but calls you to sin by quenching the spirit and not serving. There is an intense need, Christian Family Chapel, for us to look at our lives and go, what's choking our fruitfulness? And sometimes it's the sin that easily entangles us. But other times, it's the stuff that's just filled our lives. And we don't have the courage the discernment to go, it's not bad, but it's keeping me from what's good. Does that work in your life? My life's filled with stuff that's not necessarily bad, but it's keeping you from that which is good. We can be more fruitful my, my rough math says we could be 54% more fruitful. You see me? See what I'm saying? And, and then, and then if we would not only make room on our lives to do what God has intended us to do instead of the lesser things that we like to do. If we'd make room, do what God did, and then grow in that. See, it's, it's not only serving according to our gifts, but getting better at it. Now, is that wrong to get better at serving the Lord? I hope not. Oh, Paul says to, to young Timothy, work hard at the gift that you've received. Let your progress be made evident to all. We want to get better at using the gifts that God has given. But what stands between us and that right now is, quite frankly, just full lives of not necessarily inherently bad stuff. It's just the stuff that's keeping us from what God has called us to do. Look at your lives. Would you look at your calendars? Would you? And ask yourself, was Jesus talking to you in this deal about your work schedule, about your hobby schedule? Is he talking to you on this one? Now, oh, let me go back. Sorry. As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another. There was the what, here's the why. As good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Think about that. We do it as good stewards. What the world does that mean? As good stewards of the manifold grace of God. In other words, a steward is not an 
owner. A steward is a manager. And so you have been granted, not by your earning, I've been granted, not by my earning or what I've done. Simply, I've been granted by God's grace, the privilege of not only forgiveness and right relationship with God, but I've been granted God-given gifts to be able to participate in eternal work. And as a steward of that, I didn't earn it. It was just a gift. As a steward of that, I can either waste that gift or I can maximize it. You see it? We do it because it's a reflection of the fact that every story in here is unique and every believer here in here is unique. You are a unique expression of God's grace. And when you serve according to your story and according to how God has gifted you, people have a bigger picture of who God is. Or a smaller picture of who God is by whether we employ our gifts or not. Think about it. If people with gifts of mercy never exercised mercy, think of what people would think about God. You follow me? It's it's a revealing of who God is. So who should serve every believer? Why? Because we are stewards of God's grace. To maximize that is to be a fully devoted, spirit-empowered Christ follower, our purpose. So I'm going to ask you for a favor right now, okay? On behalf of the elders, a favor. Our spiritual headship is a commitment to, by God's grace, lead you to be growing. And this might seem not helpful, but I believe it's going to be exceedingly helpful that if you would, in the next week, you're going to get an email today. It's 19 questions that will help us discern where each individual member or regular attender of Christian Family Chapel is in their spiritual journey of growing toward fully devoted, spirit-empowered Christ follower. 19 questions. And it's, it's going to come through our CCB, our church database. It's going to come this afternoon. I wish you'd fill it out. 19 questions. I, I took it already, and I timed myself. Two minutes, 33 seconds. Seriously, because anytime I see a survey, I'm like, uh, where's this going? So two minutes, 33 seconds, and I'm fairly average. You could probably do it more quickly. Because I was evaluating the question. You just have to answer them. Every one of you. Guys, let me have your eyes. This is not one of the deals where you go, oh, my wife filled it out for me. She does that sort of stuff. (laughs) All right? Not not one for the family. Every member regular attender. Be a huge gift. Because if we survey the body and 13 of you respond, that doesn't give us a good picture. Right? So... Less than five minutes. Oh, and by the way, 100% anonymous. So when we're preaching in coming weeks, you won't be thinking, oh, he read my survey. (laughs) We will, it's 
totally done independent of us, third party. We will never see names and answers combined together. We'll just see resulting data, okay? See how that works? So you don't have to, you don't have to make yourself more spiritual than you are so that we would think about you that way because we don't know who you are when it comes to the survey, all right? So less than five minutes, 19 questions, huge gift that would help us. Are we maximizing what God wants here at the chapel? All right, next verse, verse 11. Whoever speaks, because some people have speaking gifts, whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. Whoever serves is to do so as the one who is serving by the strength which God supplies. Folks, will that deal with the fear or what? Or the sense of inadequacy? It's God who is speaking and God supplying the strength. That is awesome. You are to serve if you are... If you're born again, you're to serve as a steward of God's grace, and you're to serve by him. In other words, by his strength, his words. Paul says it this way. I love this. This gives me so much encouragement. He says, I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. He's speaking to the Corinthians. He did not go to Corinth because he was like, I'm strong. I have no fear. He went in spite of fear, weakness, and much trembling. And my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Because when you receive the Holy Spirit, you receive power. So that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. You see, we want to serve in such a way. This is why it's awesome to be weak, but to serve, to not be smart, but to serve because people walk away and go, wow, I know that guy. What a great God. Did you catch that? We serve by him, for him. We serve by him, for him, so that people would see the demonstration, the power of God. Verse 11, whoever speaks, do so as one who speaks in the utterance of God. Serve, do so as one who is served by the strength which God supplies, so that in all things God may be glorified through Christ Jesus. So I serve by him, and I serve for him, and I serve to him. One of, the, one of the most fascinating realities of beginning to serve is to recognize when we serve people, Jesus says, you're doing it unto me. The story of Matthew 25. Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine, even the least of them, you did it to me. He says, when you fed that child, you fed me. When you visited the person in prison, you visited me. And they're like, when were you in prison? He's going, watch, watch. Every human being is created in the image of God. And when you serve people, you serve me. So it's to him, by him, and for him. And I, I simply rearrange it that way, to him, by him, for him, because it reminds me, I'm just a two by four. <laughs> ah, seriously, that's how I remember this. To him, by him, for him. Because why am I to serve? For the building up in the two by four, the most basic building piece of lumber, a two by four. So I want to invite you, if this is your type of deal. I took a bunch of two-by-fours, but I didn't. I think I saw him in here, Doug Herring. So we chopped a bunch of two-by-fours. And they're out on the table. And we stamped on them. Well, I didn't. Jeff McDonald did. For him. On the four-inch side. 
to him. On the technically one and half inside. This is three and a half technically. And by him. Blank bottom, why? Because you are unique. And what I'd like for you to do is take a chunk of wood and put who you are. In other words, the gifts that God has given you. And just put it at a place that will remind you. My life is to be to him, by him, and for him. And here's how God has made me. And you go, well, I could make that. Go for it. Please do. <laughs> I didn't put them under every seat because some of you don't groove on this sort of stuff. I like reminders. Yes. So if it would serve you as a reminder, grab one. And here's every time you look at this, I want you to ask yourself this question. Would I buy a house where 46% of the two-by-fours needed were used? Because currently that place is called Christian Family Chapel. Yeah. Ain't nobody wants to buy that house. That you would go, I am a part of what God intends. Here's the picture. The whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. That's the picture. To recap four weeks, we can live supernaturally by the Spirit overcoming temptation, by the Spirit being the mouthpiece of God, and by the Spirit serving others with divine enablement, divine strength. God is glorified when we live supernaturally not quenching the spirit. So Father, I pray that the soil this morning would be good soil that would bear much fruit to the praise of your glory. And now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely. And may your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I hope that verse makes more sense to you every single week. Faithful is he who has called us. He'll bring it to pass. His gifts, his power, his words, his glory. To him, by him, for him. God bless.